Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. We are a family of grace. People who continue to be amazed that we did not get what we deserved and instead received the opposite of what we deserved. Friends, Cross of Grace is our family name. And I'm so glad it hangs on the doors of this church. See, in this way, gospel partnership is the intersection of three things, the beautiful intersection of three things. The intersection between Jesus and us and other people who follow Jesus alongside us. Open God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Open God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. For many, the church may have become just another part of the routine or a means of maintaining a social life. It can become very casual and we lose sight of what our real focus should be. As Pastor Ricky reminds us in today's message, the church is a beautiful result of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. We may feel isolated in our culture where so many people spend more time looking at social media than talking face to face. But in the church, we're never alone. We're united in the amazing love of Christ. Let's join Pastor Ricky for part two of his message, Gospel Partnership, from the book of Philippians, chapter one. We were without hope and without God in the world. And every Christian puts their hands up and says, amen. And then we met a man who said, I can forgive your sins and bring you back to God and restore you to the purpose for which you were created. And we were undone. And all Christians say, amen, right? And this man says, okay, I'm bringing you into this glorious purpose of proclaiming this good news to all that you know and living it out in daily life. See, all Christians have been brought together and are now, according to Ephesians 2, being built together, bound together. We are all partners now, friends, in the family business. So what kind of business is this family in? Well, the the business of building the church and proclaiming good news. In Matthew 28, the Great Commission is not given to a group of disparate individuals who never see each other again. It is given to the apostles who represent the church. And then who do we see carrying out the Great Commission? Not just a bunch of random people on their own, but the church, the group of gospel partners that God has called together. And Jesus commissions them and says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, right? That is the family mission statement that is on the door. Making disciples means introducing people to Jesus and and helping them learn to follow Jesus and then helping them to follow Jesus more and more and more in every area of life that Jesus spoke to and commanded. That is proclaiming the gospel and building the church. And I love, friends, I love that I'm not preaching this to a group of people that this is news to. Our church has had a beautiful legacy of gospel partnership. Just as surely as my family's name hung on the door of a customs brokerage agency, the names of the people in this church hang outside of this place. If we could see with the eyes of heaven, we would see written on this building, Mosley and Richardson and Ramos and Snow and Alcantar and Morales. 
If you go to a different section of the building, you'd scan underneath and find Moreno and Hall and Peterson and Jaquez. And further down in some of the recent sections, Garris and Parrish and Rueda, and on and on and on, that people have been gospel partners here. They've invested their time and their money and their comfort and their homes. And friends, if we could see with the eyes of heaven, the walls of this place would be filled with the names of the people who have lived as gospel partners here. But friends, in, in a real way, we have all our family name on the door. We are people of the cross, the family of the cross, people who have been changed forever by an encounter on an old hill called Calvary. And we are a family of grace People who continue to be amazed that we did not get what we deserved and instead received the opposite of what we deserved. Friends, Cross of Grace is our family name. And I'm so glad it hangs on the doors of this church. See, in this way, gospel partnership is the intersection of three things, the beautiful intersection of three things. The intersection between Jesus and us and other people who follow Jesus alongside us. And those three things are tied together inextricably and can't be undone. And it's both a joy and a sobering reality. It's a sobering reality because sometimes as Christians, I think we long, we, we wish there was sort of like a checkbox. Like when we get saved, you can, you know, when you sign up for something, you can kind of opt into emails. Would you like to hear from us? Like, not really, you know? Um, would you like to receive special promotions from us on your cell phone? Definitely not, right? And so sometimes we think, okay, I, I love Jesus. I love that you saved me. I love what you've done. And, but there's not a box that's like, would you like to give everything to follow me? Or, or just not. You're like, well, is that a, if it's an option, I mean, maybe, would you like to keep control of your life or would you like to give that to me? Well, I, I'd, I'd rather keep it if I can, right? Would you like to be united spiritually and forever to people that you have never met and possibly may not like? <laughs> I think, no, I, I think I'm good. I think I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for, it's not an opt-in, right? This is, this is who we are. If we are saved by the gospel, we're brought into a relationship of following Jesus. And if that's true, then we're brought in a relationship with other people who follow Jesus. That's the momentum of the gospel. Gospel partnership is an essential implication of the gospel's work in each of our lives. You know what I love seeing? I love seeing that all across this church. I love seeing it in big ways and small ways. This is not a church that's just putting on a show. This is not a church that exists to meet consumeristic needs. This is a church of people who love Jesus and are committed to love Jesus together. Question number three, why then is gospel partnership so joyful, okay? So we, it's one thing to say, okay, we're all gospel partners. We all have to do this. But the question is, why is Paul so consistently joyful about it, right? It's one thing to kind of go, listen, I understand. Listen, if, if I have to do the thing with the church to be, you know, be one of Jesus' family, I do want to be part of Jesus' family, so I'll do it, okay? I'll do it. What's the, what's the minimum bar? What do I need to do? No, Paul is not treating it like that. Paul is like, I can't think about you guys without rejoicing. So how did Paul get there? What is the connection between gospel partnership and joy? And this, friends, this sounds strange, I will admit, to our church culture in America. See, often in America, the, the, the goal is, how can I give as little as possible and receive the maximum in return? 
And this is a radical reorientation of everything. But here's the thing. It's a radical reorientation for our joy. And so, how is it that that is so joyful? Because I think in the back of everyone's mind in coming to church and serving in the church is this, that the more I give away of myself, the more I will lose and never get back and the more miserable I will be. And so I'm just trying to find, like, how much can I give and still feel good without losing the things that make me happy and joyful? It's kind of like, I will not say which sibling it was, but there was a common occurrence in our house uh, growing up that after dinner, one of my siblings would disappear before the jobs for cleanup were assigned, (laughs) right? And so so we kind of noticed this pattern of, like, happened, like, you know, a couple times a week and then three or four times a week. And finally, we're all we're like, where is this person? What, what happened to them? Why did they disappear, right? And so they, they decide to take a little break, walk around the house, right? And sometimes we feel like, okay, why do you do that? Because you're thinking, I don't want to do the chores. <laughs> I don't want to do the chores. And sometimes we can feel that way in the church. I don't want to get stuck with the chores, right? <laughs> I like eating the meal. I like rejoicing. I like laughing with everybody. But then we got to clean this thing up. And it's like, whoa, whoa, right? <laughs> You need people to serve in, in children's ministry with those, those two-year-olds, the, the biting snot monsters, like, <laughs> yep. And so, how does Paul get there, right? Well, how is partnership so joyful? A few reasons for you. Uh, first, fellowship with others changed by the gospel is a joy. Fellowship with others changed by the gospel is a joy, a unique joy. C.S. Lewis says that friendship is when you turn to someone and say, you too, I thought I was the only one. See, in, in the church in Philippi, Lydia was this Asian businesswoman. The jailer was probably a Roman or an Italian. The slave girl was poor from Macedonia, but they had, and they had nothing in common by the standards of the world. But on that next Sunday, can you not imagine the moment when they met each other and said, you too, You met him too? You (laughs) had your life turned upside down by a Jewish carpenter too? Can you believe this? (laughs) Not only are we not going to hell, we're going to a place far better than we could have ever imagined. There's a unique joy, friends, in fellowship that is created by the gospel. See, one of the deepest longings of the human heart is to feel like these people get me, right? And so so often, there's so much alienation, and the more connected our world has become, it seems like the more separated and isolated we get. And what we long for, though, is we long to have people actually get us, who understand us. And listen, friends, for us as Christians, we may not get each other's backgrounds. We may not get each other's jobs. We may not get each other's, you know, uh, experiences, but we get the core essentials of the gospel that once we were lost and now we are found. And in that, friends, there is a joy deeper than in any other relationship in walking with Jesus together. You know, last fall, our community group was studying the love of God with one of those lessons um, from last fall. And we had a time at the end of our group for, for prayer because I just felt like somebody in the group maybe was, was struggling to experience and believe in God's love, right? So I thought, okay, maybe, maybe one person would say that and we could pray for them. Maybe not, I don't know, kind of going out on a limb. 
And as we said that, several people in our group, just with boldness and humility, just put their hand up and just shared, I'm struggling to believe that God loves me. And so we had a time of prayer. We prayed for everybody, and then we broke down into groups, and there were some tears shed. And there was this beautiful moment of who we were and our backgrounds and experiences and all the stuff of the world just faded away. And in that moment, we were a group of people who were desperate to experience the love of God and who in that moment were met by God in a unique way and experienced the love of God together. We even had people the next week share how the, the, they were experiencing God's love in daily life. And I thought, man, that, that unique fellowship leads to a unique joy, doesn't it? And this is why at our church, we are so fanatical about people being in real relationships, not just standing, uh, not just attending on Sundays, right? If, if you're a visitor or a guest and you show up and you decide, I'm gonna attend this church every, every week on Sunday and never talk to anybody, that's not a win for us, Right? We want you to find real relationships and real community. This is why we're fanatical about community groups, right? We want people to meet with strangers that they may not have ever known in their homes and break bread and talk about Jesus, right? We want this because we believe there is a unique joy that happens when believers and followers of Jesus get together. Now, I'm not going to lie, though, it takes intentional effort. These relationships don't magically happen, right? If you think, okay, I'm going to walk into a community, I'm going to walk into a church, and all of a sudden, these people are going to be my best friends, right? And I'm going to have the same movies and interests and all that stuff. Man, we are the weirdest and strangest group of people that has ever been assembled that I know of, right? In terms of our backgrounds and, and even ethnicities and interests, and sports affiliations and political persuasions, all of that stuff goes in. And, and somebody was asking like, man, seems like you guys have a challenging political dynamic at your church, you know, because you have a number of people who would kind of by their ethnicity or job or experience lean this way. And a number of people because of your job and experience would lean this other way. And then you guys, how does that even work? What do you talk about? <laughs> well, we talk about Jesus. That tends to, <laughs> tends to help. And so... This is why we're committed to these things. And listen, I will say this. I'll just two-second thing on this. I am by inclination an introvert, okay? <laughs> Every time we have a community group, including this last Thursday, there is a tiny part of my heart that goes, oh, man, like, <laughs> like <laughs> I really would rather just read a book, you know? And, and yet... What I experience is when I show up at the group, I experience joy. And when I leave the group, I experience joy, right? Because God's designed us to be with one another. Okay, enough on that one. Second one, partnership with others changed by the gospel is a joy. Partnership changed by the gospel is a joy. True fellowship, friends, is going to war together, Kent Hughes tells this story. When theologian Broughton Knox was serving as a young chaplain in the British Navy on a ship preparing for D-Day and the invasion of Normandy, he noted that the minds of all hands on board, regardless of rank, were focused on the invasion's success. No one thought of his own interests, but only how he could help his shipmates in their commonly shared task. He says, listen to this, I remember noting in my mind how I had never been happier. After the invasion and return to England, everyone noticed a difference in the atmosphere on the ship. It was still friendly because it was a well-run ship, but several of the sailors, sensing the difference, asked the young chaplain, what changed? 
And Knox reflects, the answer was quite simple. During those months that preceded and followed D-Day, our thoughts had a minimum of self-centeredness in them. We gave ourselves to our shared activity and objective. Once the undertaking was over, we reverted to our own purposes, as we do normally. Broughton Knox was, of course, reflecting on a ship's experience of the fellowship that people experience in pursuing a common goal. Human friendship is a wonderful thing, but fellowship goes beyond friendship. Fellowship occurs among friends committed to a common cause or goal and flourishes through their common pursuit of it. You know what was awesome is yesterday, there's some, some folks with, with, with Danny Wilkins, who's been a longtime member of our worship team. And some of us who had been on the worship team were talking and chatting with him and telling like war stories of worship sets gone awry. Like, like that time that this person just like, whoa, like totally missed or time Danny had to come over and like literally sing the song to the musician that was trying to start it because the guy couldn't remember how it went, right? Yeah, and, and there was this beautiful camaraderie that you think, man, that doesn't form any other way than us. We're together. We're doing this. We're pursuing Jesus together. Whether that's on the worship team or kids ministry or in the church or in a group, there is this beautiful camaraderie that despite the fact that we are going to war and it's going to be hard, it is beautiful and it is joyful. And so this is why we want people to be serving and giving and investing in the church. We're not just looking for warm bodies. We're not just trying to fill a quota. We have a commission from Jesus. We have work to do. But we believe that when people plug in and serve and love and give of themselves, they will find at the end of that more joy than they expected. Third, seeing others changed by the gospel is a joy. The point of that partnership point of our partnership is proclaiming the gospel and demonstrating the gospel so that other people would come to know Jesus. Friends, I saw someone recently that had been saved at our church a few years ago. She no longer attends here, but she, she was saved at our church a few years ago. And you may remember this. She shared in a testimony on a Sunday morning that before she was saved by God, she was contemplating suicide, and no one knew it. And through the loving outreach and efforts of one family in the church, bringing her into their lives and bringing her to the church, she heard the gospel of Jesus. Friends, there is a unique joy that comes when somebody goes from death to life. Friends, the stories like that will keep you going for another 10 years. There's somebody else that, that had come to the church, had moved away, and and they had some crazy and serious stuff, uh, you know, change in their life as they were walking with us. And, and out of nowhere, they sent me a text with, with a card from the church. They sent me a text with a card from the church and just said, hey, just so you know, I'm still following Jesus. And you think, man, I, okay, if that's what it takes, if all of this, if all of this only results in one person going from death to life, friends, is that not worth it? to have one more person join us around the throne of God himself and saying, I once was lost and now I'm found. And friends, what we've seen in the last few years is that God has begun to save more and more and more people. And friends, I am eager, I am eager to see the Lord continue to save. We can't make it happen, but we can preach, we can demonstrate, and we can trust the Lord to do the work. And this is why we're willing to make sacrifices for the mission. Listen, I just, I'm going to confess something. I don't want to go to two services. 
I never sat in my office and planned and said, hey, you know what would be great? is going to two services because then we'll be impressive as a church. Then people will say, oh, a two-service church. I don't care, okay? What I do care about is this, that if we can make it a little bit easier for people who don't know Jesus to come here and sit here and hear about Jesus or for their kids to hear about Jesus, then I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to do that. And when we say, hey, listen, we're serious about church planting, and that's going to be even worse because we might even, like now with the two services, we might accidentally run into people and we can worship together and we'll see them at the other services occasionally. No, we are planning intentionally to take a group of people from our church and like not see them anymore on Sundays. Why? Because study after study demonstrates there is no more evangelistically and missionally effective way to reach people who don't know Jesus than by planting churches. You think if we send one church plant out and one person gets saved, I'm done. That's good for me. That is worth it for me. Verse six says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, often we we look at that verse and we think, man, it's so encouraging to me personally. I've gone to this verse again and again for me personally and thinking, okay, good. The Lord's gonna keep working in my life. He's not gonna give up on me. Amen to that. But that is not first what Paul means when he writes the verse. What he means is that I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in your church will bring it, the work in the church, to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. He is talking to the church. He is promising and claiming the promises of God. He is saying that God will complete what he has begun in that church. See, often we can think, man, if I invest all this time and energy and life into the gospel partnership, what if it doesn't work? Right? What if people drift away? What if people are mean to me? What if uh, relationships are broken? What if I have to move away? Listen, friends, anything we invest in others, if they are in Christ, God will complete what he has begun in them. And anything we invest in this church, in a church of Jesus Christ, will not be frustrated, but will be brought to completion. Friends, this church can never die. <laughs> The building might burn down. The membership might dwindle. I might be an old man welcoming a bunch of saints home and then locking the doors of the church on my way out. The name of our church might be forgotten, but this thing, this gospel partnership will never die because as long as Jesus lives, the church lives and he himself will bring it to completion. I am sure of this, cross of grace. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So let us rejoice with Shakespeare and say, we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For he today sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Friends, we're united by something far stronger than us shedding our blood for one another. We're united by the blood of another shed for us. And we too are the happy few, the band of gospel partners. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he's strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. We wish we had more time with you today, but sadly, that's all we have to share from Pastor Ricky's message today. However, you don't have to stop learning from the happiest book in the Bible. 
We'd like to encourage you to read ahead in Philippians and let the joy Jesus has to give you become your go-to emotion. If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen to other Better News Radio series, we'd like to invite you to visit betternewsradio.com. You'll even be able to subscribe to our podcast, watch Pastor Ricky's welcome video, and download a free book. If you're searching for a church in your area, we'd also like to point you to the church tab at betternewsradio.com. There you'll find a resource to help you locate a great community of faith that would be happy to welcome you into their family. If you're in El Paso, we'd love to have you come by Cross of Grace Church. Find directions and service times at the church tab as well, right there online at betternewsradio.com. We know that some of our listeners today may be experiencing some difficulties in life, and we'd like to let you know that you're being prayed for regularly here at Better News Radio. If you ever have a specific request you'd like us to take before the Lord, feel free to give us a call. Our number is 915-562-7100. That's 915-562-7100. Thanks again for being part of our listening audience. Join us next time to keep experiencing the happiest book in the Bible, right here on Better News Radio.